Sales is the driving force of most companies, profit making and some non-profits alike. However, for years, companies have failed to evolve their sales strategies and embrace the changes happening in the world. Those companies that have refused to change with the times have been left behind or have taken, been taken over by more dynamic and flexible competitors. Do you remember when MySpace was the holy grail of social networking? Or when Blockbuster dominated the movie rental space? Would you have been able to wrap your head around the fact that businesses can operate without brick and mortar a few years ago? Times have changed and so must the elements of your sales process if you wish to remain relevant and continue to make profits. Netflix understood that with changing times and innovation from complementary sellers, customers will soon no longer feel the need to travel physically to buy movies and they acted proactively to meet the changing lifestyle of modern customers which led to a massive disruption within the movie rental space, putting companies like Blockbuster out of business. Before we delve into lead generation specifically, I want to take you through either a refresher or an introduction to sales. If you're an entry-level professional and you know nothing about sales in its entirety, this is a very good place for you to start. Because before you can sell to someone, you need to put in place all of the different plans to make sure that you you have a, a consistent uh, uh, you know, flow to your sales. And in order to be able to do that, you need to have a sales process. There are general sales processes that are industry standard, but it is advisable that you devise a strategy for yourself as an individual that makes selling easier and enjoyable. So what is the sales process, one might ask? The sales process is the series of strategies and steps involved in getting people to buy your product or service. There are two main components to the sales process that we're going to look at today. Um, the first is the sales model and the second is the sales cycle. You're probably wondering what is the difference? And why do they matter? Well, here goes. So the sales model is the strategy that a company uses to get its products to its consumers. You've probably heard of the term go-to-market. So go-to-market is basically what the sales model is about. The strategy that you know a company has said they'll use to take their product from when it's being manufactured or their service to put it in front of potential buyers and make them aware that this service or product is available. So that, that is the sales model. And then the sales cycle, on the other hand, is a series of events or phases that occur during the selling of a product or service. Right. 
what are the specific steps so we've said you know what this is the strategy that we'll use to make sure that clients become aware of our product or of our offering so what steps are involved in making sure that from the moment someone shows interest in our product or service to the moment that that product or service is delivered to them the series of steps that are involved in that is called the sales cycle so we've got, I've got a case study for us here let's look at our business owner we've got gym owner Jim so Jim is a new business owner and he's just launched his fitness uh, business and he's trying to decide what sales model is best for his business now gym owner Jim has come to us and said you know what these are the uh, particulars of my business. I'm a new business owner. I own a gym in a posh locality. And because of gym owner's location, he's unsure what kind of sales model to implement in order to make his potential clients aware that he's got, you know, he's opened up his new gym. Right. And gym owner has expressed to me and to you that he's considering four different sales models right so gym owner Jim has said he's looking at transactional selling solution selling provocative selling and consultative selling now gym owner if you remember has asked us to help him decide which which of these models is the best for his business so let's take a look at all of the different sales models and then at the end of this, there'll be an exercise to help us, you know, convince gym owner Jim what sales model is best for his business. So first of all, we've got transactional selling. So transactional selling is one of the most common methods of selling, especially for people offering products instead of services. In this model, the goal is to sell as much of the product to as many people as possible, right? Think about your toilet paper vendor. Think about your, your, your uh, McDonald's. It's transactional selling. They're making as much of that product as possible to mass market it. So in a situation like this, if there's a sales executive they're not interested in forming a long-lasting relationship with the customers that they sell to. You know, they use an approach that is it's not very uh, it's not it's not my best approach. They use an approach called the sell and dash approach. You know, transactional selling is often common with vendors or companies that do not have a long-term business plan and businesses that resell generic products, right? So looking at this uh, model, I believe that the transactional model is not the best option for gym owner gym because, you know, a fitness business thrives with recurring business and, uh, you know, transactional selling definitely does not fit the mold. So the second option that gym owner Jim asked us to consider is solution selling. 
Now, the solution selling is a sales model that identifies real life problems and provides a product or service that solves those problems. So there's a problem, you know, the business owner identifies that there's a problem and based on, on, on that, they create a product or a service that will tackle that problem. Now, the key in solution selling is to convince customers that the product or service is the best solution available. And in this case, should uh, you know people looking to lose weight rather take uh, weight loss pills or should they rather visit gym owner gym's uh, uh, outfit? Right. So the solution selling model yields much better results than the transactional selling model. Although it's not always successful, I believe it approaches problem solving from a grand scheme perspective. Right. So for example, weight management solutions may focus on helping people lose weight and may not necessarily consider people looking to lose weight in specific areas of their bodies. It does the overall job, but it cannot solve specific problems for different groups of people. Now, this model could be in running for Jim's business, of course. But looking deeper, I think Jim's client base will be a diverse group of people. Hence, there will be a need for a more specific solution as opposed to, you know, a general solution to a problem that has been looked at from a general point of view. So I think it's important for us to then go to the next uh, option that Jim is considering. Consultative selling. This is my favorite kind of selling, especially being in the financial services industry. Um, we meet all sorts of different clients every day with different situations, different backgrounds, different origins, and different destinations. So it's important to take a more uh, tailored approach to helping these clients, as opposed to a one-size-fits-all approach that the solution selling is promoting. Now, the consultative selling is based on creating long-term trust and value. For this approach, most businesses in the market research and financial services use it. In the model, the salesperson first establishes trust and value with a potential client. Then they explore the specific needs of the prospect in a needs assessment meeting. And finally, they offer a relatively tailor-made solution with the product or service. So in a consultative selling approach, assume that I am the client and you approach me. The idea would be to sell yourself as an individual to me first. And then if I bought into the idea of you, I'd be open enough to meet with you to do a needs assessment, to do an initial call. Some people call it a discovery session. And based off of that discovery session, there'll be information sharing. And as the client in a consultative selling situation, it is 
to my knowledge that you're going to take the information that has been shared with you and create a tailor-made solution to, my, to solve my problem. And this is what consultative selling is all about. And this is why I love this approach. Now, this method does not only sell the product or service, it also establishes the basis for a longer lasting business relationship if the delivery of the solution is done right. On the other hand, if the client is not satisfied, it is very easy for them to ruin any further business engagement and prevent people from patronizing. So it's important that when taking the consultative selling approach, you do it properly. This method yields much better results in the long term, which is what we're looking for for gym owner gym. Compared to the transactional and the solution selling methods, the consultative selling is a more holistic and fuller suit model. It's a sustainable model for gym owner gym's business, I think. But I'll let you decide at the end of this session. Now, before we go and get ahead of ourselves, there was one more option that Jim owner Jim asked us to look into. He mentioned the provocative selling. Now, provocative selling is a little bit uh, controversial, especially in some areas of sales, right? It's, 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 a, it's an offensive, basically. Um, the provocative selling does a lot of digging, right? It changes the status quo when it comes to approaching sales. The goal of the provocative selling approach is on identifying problems that clients are not aware of. It's not about the problems that you're aware of. It's not about the need that you have. It's about taking it a step further to identify a problem or a need that a client is not aware that they, they, they have. Right. So the salesperson basically creates a demand and demonstrates the ability to move it and meet that demand, right? So the model promotes impulse buying because on further thought, customers might not even feel a pressing need to purchase that product or service. What comes to mind when I think of provocative selling? It's what we see on the internet every day. You go on your feed and there's an ad for a fitness app there's an ad for a coaching session, things that you wouldn't necessarily think that you need. But because these people, they've put in so much time and effort into carving out that need, you automatically feel an unspoken pressure to you know, purchase that service or solution. And because of the way that this model works and the fact that it promotes impulse buying, customers are highly unlikely to maintain a long-lasting relationship with the company if they indulge in impulse buying. You know, I bought Marina De Giovanni's uh, a book, ebook, a few months ago, and I haven't even opened it. My life is still, you know, moving on. So that is a typical example of a provocative sales approach. 
Um, it could leave customers feeling misled after they've made the purchase, you know, if they're not managed properly. An example, like I said, is those digital marketing courses promising to teach you secrets to monetize your Instagram account or secrets to how you can travel the world without a full-time job. How often do you really sit down wondering how to monetize your Instagram or leave your well-paying job to travel the world and make millions of dollars? I can bet that it's not very often. So now that we've gone through gym owner Jim's uh, uh, proposals for a potential business model, I'd like you to look at what we've, we've done so far and decide what model do you think we should recommend to Jim for his gym business? And why do you think that model is the best model for him to adopt? If you remember, I'd said that when we talked about the sales process, I'd said that there were two aspects to it, the sales models and the sales cycle. So we're gonna start off with looking at the traditional sales cycle that is commonly used today. And wherever you look, the traditional sales cycle typically has seven steps to it. So first of all, we've got the lead generation or lead sourcing. We've got the initial contact. We've got the qualifying. We've got the nurturing. We've got the offer presentation or proposal. We've got objection handling, and then we've got the closed. Now, if you look at the screen, you see that I've put percentages beside each of the different steps in my sales cycle, my traditional sales cycle. And I've weighted each step in the sales cycle based on the amount of time and effort the salespeople would typically spend on them. At each point of the cycle, the customer becomes one step closer to making a purchase. Now, based on the chart, you can see that a lot of salespeople spend more time handling objections. Why? you reckon i remember during my time working uh my first job in sales i've done that job for over three years and the one recurring thing that we always had to be trained for was objection handling there was not a lot of focus on lead sourcing there was not a lot of focus on you know how to initiate contact correctly there was not a lot of focus on how to even nurture the leads a lot of the focus of training went into how to handle objections. And this is what the traditional sales cycle looks like. In the traditional sales cycle, persuading the customers becomes inevitable because the close is not already introduced at the lead generation stage. This probably makes no sense. But let me paint a scenario. We've got 
Amir. So Amir is a salesperson who believes strongly in the traditional sales cycle. Right. Now Amir has just recently joined agalega.com and what you can see on your screen now is what Amir's um, week looks like typically from what a sales cycle typically looks like. Now for Amir at the lead generation stage, he starts off his week with 100 leads sourced from random websites on the internet. Right, so 100 leads every week. At the stage of contact initiation, Amir resorts to using cold calling or cold emailing as a way to reach out to potential clients on that list of 100 people that he's got every week. So out of the 100 leads, Amir has confirmed that he gets working numbers and emails for at least half of them. Now, Amir attempts to phone those 50 people whose numbers and emails he's been able to successfully get out of the 100 people. And he has also said that out of the 50 people, he's usually able to speak to 50% of them, which is about 25 leads, who don't totally have cold calls or cold emails. That is, he gets a 50% drop-off at the qualifying stage, right? So he enters the qualifying stage with about 25 leads that he could potentially have a meaningful conversation with. Now, out of those 25 leads, Amir finds out that 15 people are usually qualified or in the mind frame to further the conversation and move on to the nurturing stage. Now, Amir meets and pitches 15 people. Out of those 15 people, five people are convinced that they do not have a need for the service that Agalega is offering and they decide not to engage further. Now, Amir is left with 10 people out of the 100 people he has started off the week with. He proceeds to send off the offer or proposal to those 10 people out of the 15 he had initially met. Now Amir, out of those 10 people that he sent proposals to, two of them come back immediately and say, you know what, we're sold, sign us up. And then eight of them have more questions. They want to do their due diligence or they're considering other products from competitors. Now Amir spends a chunk of his time trying to convince them to handle their objections. Now from Amir's objection handling effort, he was able to convert 30% of the eight people. That means two more people decided that, you know what, we're convinced, sign us up. So that leaves Amir at a conversion rate of four percent after six 
months at Agalega, Amir has had enough and he's decided he wants to quit. Right. Now let's reflect on Amir's predicament. Would you agree that Amir has been working hard and not smart? Do you think Amir could have found a better way to make his job a little bit easier? If your answer is yes, then you already have the mindset needed to apply the knowledge that you will gain from this course and succeed in sales. Stick with me and I will show you how to run an efficient sales cycle to get the most out of your invested time and effort. The conscious selling concept. What is this? One might ask. The key focus of the conscious selling concept is two words, benefit and people. Now, established brands like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, etc. already above this threshold. They do not need to tell people what they get from buying their products because they are at a stage of business where word of mouth and referral do most of the lead generation for them. Unfortunately, not everyone enjoys this privilege. People love to see benefits. Once the benefit has been established, the question of a buy-in is no longer there because people will automatically buy in once they understand what the expected satisfaction level is. On the side of people, selling to the right people for the right reason and being customer-centric is a tried and tested revenue booster. When customers are happy, they sing your praise, they invite other people to try your product or service, it leads to good reputation and it increases patronage and revenue overall. Now, conscious selling is being deliberate about the benefit your product or service provides to customers and being deliberate in delivering the promised product or service and the satisfaction that it comes with. With this approach, Customers are most likely to maintain a longer lasting relationship with your company. Conscious selling is a win-win to both you and your, your customers. Now, there are three primary perspectives of conscious selling. I call them the three P's. So the three P's of conscious selling is a perspective that suggests putting people at the top of the priority chart while giving salespeople a more defined purpose and conviction, which will then translate into increased sales conversion and a more consistent flow and increase in revenue and profit. So the, the concept of conscious selling changes the dynamic of the sales cycle 
we've been familiar with. Let's see how. This is the conscious sales cycle. Do you notice any anything different from the initial sales cycle that we had gone through? More prominently is how have weighted each of the different steps. And secondly, the fact that there are less steps in the conscious selling cycle than the traditional selling cycle. The effort waste on the conscious sales cycle clearly sums up to 110%. This is not a mistake. This is because 110% is required from a conscious salesperson to be able to deliver and satisfy clients. Now, most of the time will ideally be spent on lead generation and the needs assessment phase. Remember I said that there wouldn't be so much time being spent on objection handling if more of that time has been put in the initial stages of the sales cycle. Let's delve deeper. If this model is implemented correctly, there will be no need to spend any time on objection handling because by the time you get to the close phase, the prospect has already built total confidence in your intentions and the product or service that you're offering. The main phases of the conscious selling cycle are the lead generation phase, the offer presentation phase, and the follow-up phase. I believe that taking the sales process to the follow-up phase will guarantee business continuity because happy customers like to share their experiences, which will then lead to referrals. I recommend 30% of the time be spent on lead generation, which brings us to the main purpose of this course. How do we generate leads deliberately and eliminate the uncertainties that come with traditional lead sourcing methods? How do we deliberately source leads that will serve as a continuous lead funnel and drastically increase your revenue? Let us talk about lead generation. But first, let's help Crystal Inc. decide how to solve their current business problem.